0: We have, uh, archaeologists have found in Turkey an inscription that talks about Caesar Augustus in very flattering terms. Caesar Augustus, you may know, was uh, the founder of the Roman Empire and its first emperor. And this inscription uh, was written about halfway through his reign, talking about how uh, his leadership was God-sent, or as they called it, providence sent him. That, uh, that uh, he was filled with virtue, which was one of the highest uh, commendable things anyone could ever have. To be full of virtue for a Roman was, was tremendous. Um, and it says, sending him as a savior, both for us and our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things for our benefit. That Caesar... Uh, Augustus would surpass all previous leaders the world has ever seen, and he would be such a good leader and is such a good leader that no other leader to follow has any chance of being anywhere close to as good as he is. Um, It calls him God Theos, the God Augustus, it says, that the day he was born when the God Augustus uh, came to this world, it began a season of Good news for all of the Roman people. Now that word good news is the same word in Greek that we know to be gospel. And so we understand a bit of depth on the meaning of gospel. That, that gospel is good news, but it, is, it also involves a leader rising to power, who will give us victory over our enemies, who can give us prosperity in some way in all areas of our life. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ that we will hear later, uh, we, we understand that, that he's meant to be that, that kind of leader. But we see, obviously, uh, Augustus Caesar, uh, this was propaganda for him. Uh, this may seem also familiar to to us as somewhat of a typical re-election campaign ad spot. Um, You know, such and such leader is so great. Look at all they've done. And while in human terms, any earthly leader, if we were to say that about them, it would be trumped up uh, at most. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, But we see Isaiah tell us about a leader, tell us about a ruler, a king uh, some some person that they would then call Messiah, because all they could think of was, well, he's just the chosen one. He's just the one who's going to be this, do all these things Isaiah says. Now, this leader Isaiah talks about will, will surpass Augustus by far. So let's read uh, with me in your Bibles from Isaiah chapter 9. And if you're following along in your pew Bibles, that is on page 573. Isaiah chapter 9. to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have heard your word, we pray you would enable us to understand it. Give us faith to hear what you promise, faith to trust that you will deliver it. Uh, Give us faith to see you uh, as who you really are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, back a little bit to those political campaigns, it, at least maybe it's just me, when I think of all the things that are promised me in a campaign, Ed, I'm not trying to be cynical here at all, I'm not, really not, um, but they, they tend to center on, uh, on how our career or our finances could be better, how our country as a whole could be better, maybe how our home life could be better based on this policy or that policy, all of these things. And when I think about those areas of my life, of career, country, marriage, finances, uh, raising a family, my health, and I think of how I struggle and the the, the ways that I feel I fall short in those areas, I long for, I long for counsel on how to make those things better. I, I do long for leadership. I long for uh, so the strength to make changes in those areas. I long for, um, I long for someone to guide me uh, kindly through that, someone to be with me through that. I long for someone also to end all of the struggles so that I can have peace and prosperity. Well, this passage we just read in Isaiah 9 talks about a leader that in a way is all those things, and yet so much more. In our brief time tonight, I'm just going to walk us through the kind of leader Isaiah is foretelling. We're going to look at this child that is to be born, this son that is given. We're going to look at the crown of the son and his rule, his reign. The crown of the son, but also the cross of the son. As we think of the crown of the son, again, this was to be a ruler who uh, no one could figure out. And so they just called him Messiah. They called him, that, that's a Hebrew word that means chosen one or anointed one. Uh, in Greek, there's another word to describe that. It means it says Christ that means chosen one, anointed one. It is this word that means that guy. Because we don't have a category for that guy in our minds. We don't know anybody like this guy. Someone, see, we have a category in our mind for someone who uh, is a wise counselor, someone who can give us good advice. But what Isaiah is talking about is wonderful counselor. The sense communicated here is someone who gives advice with the purest of wisdom. Someone who is never wrong. Someone who, uh, who is the only counselor who is praiseworthy. You know, we may say, oh, that's a great book that someone wrote. Oh, that's a great speech someone gave. This is, what Isaiah is saying is this wonderful counselor is, there's something about him that we just don't understand. He's called also uh, Almighty God. See, we have a category in our brains for uh, a mighty man, a, a strong person who's proven their valor, proven their strength, their capabilities and competencies in this area or that area. And we say, yeah, we want to follow them. They probably have some good ideas and and they have the ability to carry out some change. But the person Isaiah is talking about is Almighty God. Not just a strong person, but Almighty. Who can literally do anything and is not just admirable. He is God himself. His power far beyond what we can ask or imagine for our time of need. We also have a category for someone who is kind and benevolent, who will treat us as though we are uh, you know, as we are their children, who will guide us and be with us through a difficult time, uh, who will try to arrange for things to go well in our lives. We might have a mentor who tries to do that, or maybe a kind boss. But this, this person Isaiah speaks of is everlasting father. Now this is often a title, a father is a title in the ancient Near East used for Uh, you know, as a term of endearment for a king who is benevolent, someone who is good to his people as though uh, they are his children. But this is an everlasting father and a father of fathers. Someone who never falls short in his kindness, never slips, and who doesn't just, it's not just long live the king, but who truly lives forever. Again, we also have a category for Someone who brings about situations of peace in our lives, someone who can create circumstances where things are nice for a few moments, things are better than they were, things are a little improved in this area or that area of our lives. We can have moments of peace. And in, in all honesty, as we look at our lives, I look at my life. Uh, in my quest for ultimate peace, you know, the closest I get is I don't know maybe 20 minutes on the couch watching Netflix, and I think this is it. You know, like this is not. Some ultimate rest that I know my soul longs for. I keep relentlessly pursuing this peace that I know I should have and everything is falling short. But this person Isaiah speaks of is the Prince of Peace. The one who is only one that we don't understand, but he is able to truly secure victory against our enemies and even against our own mistakes secure victory and conquer our enemies on every side so that we can have this peace to make everything right. Now this is its so important that we understand this difference because in every one of those examples that we can understand, a good advisor, uh, a strong person, a a kind person who's with you, who who helps you, uh, or someone who orchestrates things for your benefit, in almost all those cases, what is required then for your prosperity is your effort, is your strength and your might. Someone might write a really good book and say, here's how you can have a better life, but you essentially have to take that advice and put it into practice. I've tried that many, many times. And I never seem to get it right. So I buy the next book. And I still, you know, I, I can never have enough... Uh, wisdom, even of myself, to follow the wisdom that is given me. Sometimes I feel I'm wise for doing another thing, and I go and do what I think is best. I never have the strength it takes to pursue this course of action or that course of action. Whatever is required for me to have uh, prosperity in my career, in my family home life, in my finances, I end up falling short with my strength and yet it's an endless pursuit of my effort. You know, I can follow the example of someone who is kind, as, a, as an everlasting father, perhaps. Uh, I can follow that example, but in, in essence, for me to try to be kind to others, that takes a lot of energy, and I run out of that. As I try, try to be a good father for five minutes, let alone an everlastingly good father, um, I fall short. Because my strength runs out, my ability to be kind does run out, and my ability again to create times of peace—I you know, cannot get everything done on my list. You know how that goes. You think I'm going to rest, but first, oh, I got to get this done. Then you're about to sit down. Oh, I got to get this done. I got to get. It seems even with just mundane things, let alone the serious things that threaten us, I'm unable to do that. And I can pursue that by my own strength my whole life. But that is not why Jesus Christ came. That is not the person Isaiah is talking about. Jesus Christ didn't come to be a good example for us to follow, although he truly is commendable. But he is much more than that. He had to be more than that. He had to come and accomplish my salvation for me, to achieve victory over my enemies for me, To be strong when I am weak. And uh, to be wise when I am far from it. And again, I can't do those things. I need him to do that. In the beginning, or at the front, rather, of the bulletin, it says uh, this quote from uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, The theme for... uh, Gabriel's oboe uh, comes from this movie. It was just played in the last, at the beginning and end of the last song we played and sung together. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It haunts me. I think about it a lot. Anyway, this quote from Father Gabriel in this movie, it says, If might is right, then love has no place in the world. It may be so, it may be so, but I don't have the strength to live in a world like that. If what I have to do to live a good life and be right is to have the strength to do all those things, I can't do it. I don't have enough. I can't live in a world like that. I just don't have the strength to live in a world like that. Which is why this Messiah had to be more than just any ordinary human being. The one that we might all long for. He had to be even more so than that. So we see the crown of the Son, of who He is, As a leader. And yet we look then at the cross of the son. Because it's really not a far jump. From advent. To the cross. It's not that big of a leap. Because in order for Jesus to be the kind of king and messiah. That we really need him to be. He had to go to the cross. Because we don't just have a problem against. The things around us and the world around us and various problems that we face we don't just need a leader who will lead us in victory we have other problems problems of our own sin as I mentioned earlier sometimes I just don't want to follow God's wisdom I deliberately choose to go the other way sometimes when I know something is that strength is demanded of me to do something good and do something godly I choose weakness and I I slip away shrink away I need a Messiah who will be all these things and yet who will also accomplish my salvation for me, who will defeat my enemies, even the enemies that I have within myself of my own sin and the enemy of my own uh, desire to rebel. Sin and death themselves need to be defeated. Back to the mission. Here's an example of this. Um, A wonderful scene. It really lasts. It's a really 40-minute scene, but the first 40 minutes of the movie, The Mission, is worth watching if you don't follow the rest of it. And in the first 40 minutes, which I've seen many times, as you can tell, uh, we see uh, Captain Rodrigo Mendoza. And he is a, uh, he's a former military captain. He is a mercenary now and a slave trader. And he, has, he goes out to capture slaves and then sell them in the market. And one of the places where he has captured, uh, captured people for slavery uh, is this one village where it just so happens a, a Jesuit mission has just begun. And he goes and he, he kills many as collateral damage as he kidnaps others and takes them to market. Well, months later... Uh, tragedy hits his family, and he is, he finds himself begging for forgiveness, searching for forgiveness and a clean slate at the local monastery. And this is where the priest who was running the mission eventually runs into him, and From what I can understand, he's told the gospel but refuses to believe that forgiveness can be that easy. Refuses to believe that he can really be forgiven. So he decides he must pay a price. He must carry all of his armor and all of his weaponry in a giant net. And if you look at it, it must weigh 200 pounds or so. He carries it behind him uh, dozens of miles along this journey. Rocky terrain, up hills, up a cliff or two. I mean, you see, it's an impossible journey. And he, as I can best perceive it, just assumes that once he has carried this armor up the hill to the very village where this mission is, the very village where he killed people, when he, is, uh, when he arrives there, he will have paid the debt for his sin. And then justice will be done. And he, he's probably certain that he will then be killed. Because that would be just. And yet, when he arrives there after a tremendous struggle self imposed struggle, I may add, he is greeted by natives who have been changed by the gospel, by natives who, instead of seeking revenge, the very natives who whose own fathers and brothers and, and sisters and mothers have been kidnapped and killed by him instead of seeking revenge on him, they forgive him. They take out a knife, and instead of killing him with the knife, they cut off the rope that attaches him to this 200-pound burden, and they cast it over the cliff, never to be seen again. Grace breaks through. He is changed then forever. So I ask you as I close, what load are you carrying tonight? In what way are you meeting the struggles that you face by trying to go it on your own? Because there is truly good news There is a Messiah who was foretold and who came. And the victory that he achieved over sin and death, over all our enemies, has been guaranteed and will yet be made complete. It has already been guaranteed and yet is not yet. But it will come to fruition in completion one day. This is why we're here This is why we remember Christ's first coming and think and long for his second coming. And he promises to be with us in these times. Because again, he came to be a ruler, as it is said, not with a sword in his hands, but he was the ruler who came with nails in his hands. When he came as king, he was not given a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns, As a king, he walked through the streets, not with a scepter in his hand, but a cross on his shoulders. He was the king born for a cross. The zeal of the Lord has done this, as Isaiah says. And he will bring it to completion on the day that Christ returns in final victory. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we look to you as our not only heavenly but our everlasting father we look to christ who is the king that will reign forever and ever lord we do struggle with much we pray that you would strengthen our faith uh, that you would uh, enable us to see you with us in those times we pray that you would give us strength in those times that you would be the one we turn to when we need peace, that you would be the one we turn to when we need strength. And that you would give us the faith to see you not not looking at us about to kill us, but looking at us eager to forgive, eager to love. For all our debts have already been paid when your son Jesus was killed on the cross. And it's in his name and for his glory we now pray. Amen.